The Still Parents podcast was set up as a way to be able to get men to talk about all things baby loss purely from the male perspective. It goes without saying, it can be a difficult listen at times, but we hope that this series has been able to provide some strength and also to remind you that you're not alone. And you can reach out at any time to the Lily Mae Foundation, to Ryan and to Amy for more support. So here on this podcast, as we take a look back at all of our topics in our six episodes that made up series one, the elephant in the room, the days that creep up on you, lockdown losses, distractions, sibling support, and the anxiety monster. This is probably three days after we'd lost Callie. I had someone say to me a couple of things. Firstly, that I should stop breaking down in tears in front of Crystal. Also, that uh, it's time to get the fun, happy Matt back from before. Because in, in general, I'm pretty sort of laid back, sort of you know, yeah. trying to be as positive as I possibly can. But funnily enough, after losing your daughter three days, you're not you're not in the mood to be kind of happy and <laughs> bubbly <laughs> at that point. I don't know about the rest of the guys, but I think it's not that you lose, it's not that you lose your character or, or you know, but you, it, the perspective of losing, I think actually you kind of think, you know what, actually, I am actually bothered about what people, some people, yeah, think of what I'm going to say now. So I just, yeah, if I need to say something, I I, you know, I try and say it if I can. So. Yeah. I think it's a, like a loss of control yeah. or anything actually is that like, because you um, are in a situation that you have absolutely no control over, yeah. you have no ability to stop what is going on. Cause let, let's be honest, nine times out of 10, most people look at the bloke in the family. They're the, the bloke that goes out to work, brings the money home, you know, blah, 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 blah. The, the old man goes out to hunt, brings food back and what have you. And I think that the, you can't change anything that is being put or that is happening in front of you. Oh. And then because men, I think in general, I reckon if you if we did a poll on how many men are um are quite like to be in control, I reckon you'd find nine out of ten men like to be in control. So as soon as that is then ripped out <clears throat> ripped out your hands, you become in, in in my world, I became pretty worthless because it was very much a um, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do because I'm I'm I've been taken out of my comfort zone, and I think a lot of the the sort of feelings that I felt were very much that is that I couldn't stop this happening, so I couldn't protect my wife, I couldn't protect my my son, my other son um, who who was with us when we lost Lily, and that's where my biggest problems came in was where I, I just had no control over anything that was going on, which then puts me into a complete and a spiral of, you know, depression, anxiety, all that sort of stuff, where then you do have no other choice but to actually speak up and say that you need the help. It's also the whole thing of sort of you like you don't necessarily have answers to loads of questions in both your and your wife's head. You know, you always think, well why why has this happened? Why us? What have we done wrong? Going back to the whole discussion point where, you know, we're, we're men and it's men talks, we want to communicate more with each other. How was, obviously, your, think of your, your closest male friend, how were they with the situation when they first found out to offer support? So I think most of my friends, they didn't know what to say. Like, they didn't know what to do, what to say, in case they said the wrong thing. I think I, 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 I had two big examples from from my time was my, my best mate Rob was 
up the hospital within half an hour um, of us losing Callie and with his wife and um, has never really left my side since. I mean, he's been there anyway since I was like six. But um, he's he's been sort of there right from the start all, all, all the way through. Um, and then I had another mate of mine who um, played football with and um, we spoke a little bit after we lost Callie, but then it took him probably... Um, a, a little while to kind of get his head around the situation but then he phoned me and said look I want to meet you and um, and then we went and just had a beer and just sat and had a chat and he just said look I didn't I didn't really get it to start with but I, I get it now you know I understand now and then I don't think there's in my opinion I don't think I think what Sam said is right I don't think there's any right or wrong way I think it's just down to that individual person who, who yeah, a lot of my friends have said the same like it's been just over a year now, and I've said, "Look, I didn't know what to say to you." So, yeah, so. Mm. yeah. Did you have the feelings of guilt if you do something which seemed recreational or fun, or something which all of a sudden made you possibly feel bad because, oh, why can't I? I can't, I'm not allowed to enjoy myself here. I can't enjoy my life. How did you get around that? When when we lost Lily, I was, uh, I think, I was six or seven months. Well, six months into my newly qualified teacher year and it was I'd obviously gone through university through teacher training all this spent a, a small fortune getting to it and then mm. six months into the job that you wanted to do working with kids in a difficult school in a difficult area I immediately hated my job and actually oh, no. disliked kids to an extent because I used to get really angry with some of the kids that I was teaching because I would always think you've got an opportunity in life. Mm. Whereas, you know, my daughter hasn't, or, you know, other people that we've met, their kids haven't that, you know, they haven't got this opportunity that you have got. Um, and I think that it, it doesn't just change you um, individually as a person and mentally about how you think and how you feel. <laughs> always remember the head teacher at the time and, I, I, I had a decent relationship with her. I mean, I never had a good relationship with the head teachers when I was at secondary school, but, you know, I always had a good relationship when I was teaching in the respect that she always said to me, I want the old, smiley, fun Ryan back. And she was never going to get that. She was never, ever going to get it because literally in that moment, when you're told that your child has died, you it's like turning on a light or turning off a light. You you completely and utterly become a completely different person, a completely different person. You move in different circles. You meet people who have experienced what you've experienced. And still to this day, I will still maintain even grandparents obviously have their, you know, feelings and stuff like that about losing a grandchild. But actually there is no, nobody will ever, ever understand what you what you are feeling unless they have experienced this themselves. One of the things personally that we couldn't we really couldn't stand and is 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 people saying, oh well you can always have another one. Mm. Listen, whether whether we can go and have another one or not, I don't want another one. I want the one that we've lost. You know what I mean? So I want the one we've lost. But also, who knows whether we can go and have another one? You know, no one knows that. Sometimes I'd rather people just not say anything. Don't the say other anything. one is where they say, "Oh yeah, but you're still young." <laughs> I didn't. Feel, I didn't feel young at the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think jumping on what to Matt, well, uh, sorry, on what Matt said there as well about when people say, oh, you know, you you can have another one, or you know, you like what Sam said, oh, well, at least at least you've got the you know the other twin and what have you. Sometimes I'd quite like to turn around to them and if and say, well, okay, you've got children. Which, which one? Which one would you give up? Which one would you choose not to have? Because it's almost it's, it's almost throwing that question back at them, but in a completely different way. Because because. By saying, oh, you can go on and have another one. Well, no, they don't know what's going to happen in the future. Or, you know, when people say, oh, everything happens for a reason. Really? Does does it all happen for a reason? Because, you know, bad things happen to really good people. Um, and bad things happen to really bad people. So does everything really happen for a reason? Because I don't think it does. And, you know, I've had the ones, you know, time's a great healer. It, these are all, you know, the cliches, all, aren't they? They're all cliches that are used to try and make f- people feel better. Nine times out of ten, they're saying them because they've got nothing, because they don't know what to say. So mm. they try and say something, thinking that it's they're saying the right thing, but actually they're, they're not saying the right thing. And I think, like what Matt said there, I would much rather somebody turn around to me and say, "I'm really sorry, I don't know what to say," mm. come out with some baloney where they think that they're, you know, helping you in a situation where, where actually they're making it 10 times worse. The thing about this is, you know, the thing about this podcast actually as a whole and is I don't think we should hold back in what we say because I think it's, it, we need to be very honest in our thoughts and, and, and what we think and, you know, what we say and what we do. Um, you know, I, I, I have been in situations where, I've had to bite my tongue and walk away because if I hadn't, then I could have quite easily hurt somebody. Um, especially when you're in the, you know, certainly right at the beginning when you're in an anger, mm. anger state of grief where, you know, you just want, you almost want to inflict hurt and pain on somebody else. So they mm. know exactly, or so you can get them to come as close to the hurt and pain that you're feeling. I've never said that to anybody, obviously, but, I've come very, very close to it because sometimes, I mean, being a teacher or an ex-teacher, kids say things to you. Now, I'm not saying any of the kids that I taught said some horrible things to me, but kids are clever. Kids pick up on things. And I know that I've been in lessons and children have been talking and they've been going on about my situation, certainly when I came back to work. And I could have quite easily walked out of the room. But actually, at the same time, I used that to try and uh, build a bit of strength in me. Mm. So I thought to myself, well, if I can, ex- well, not accept, but if I can deal with what that person or these people are saying to me, then that's just another step that I'm climbing yeah. on this road of grief, which is hopefully <clears throat> be stronger moving forwards. Yeah, Ryan used to be a teacher. And one of the most interesting <laughs> parts of the podcast so far was Ryan at the start. He went, oh, yeah, I was a teacher, but I, did, I didn't like the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan reminds me a bit of the, do you know the teacher in the Inbetweeners? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be you. Yeah, that was me. That was me. And there was a few wills in my classes as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a nickname as a teacher? You always find out. I think it started with W and ended in R. So if you can work that one out, then uh, uh-uh. there, yeah. I think the, the the first Christmas is one of those that you you know when you when you think that the that you're going to start a family that you've got all these how you see it happening mm. and I think the problem then is how do you act 
is it okay for you to be happy? I think I have to admit that I think the first time it really hit me and 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 my wife Crystal was um, when we went to the first Lily May Christmas um, service yeah. because they're absolutely wonderful services. But you kind of go into a bubble when you when you lose and you think the world stops. Obviously, it doesn't. But then you kind of turn up at the church, and then one of the first things that we saw was. There's, there's other families here with children who they've gone on and had after. Mm. And that, that yeah. was a bit like that kind of hit my role. Like that was a bit sort of straight away, but it was all, it was also a positive thing because it then gives you hope that you can go on and go again with, with, with another, with more children. But I think, like I said, I think moving forwards, um, the, the Christmases, I'd like to say they, they, they get easier, but I, I, I think that every Christmas is, is hard. And I think, course, it's the fact yeah. that, I think it's the fact that, it creeps up on you all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm, I'm wary of phrasing it in a way which is, oh, you get to a point where it's no longer mm. something that you concern yourself with. But it's just the coping mechanisms behind, yeah. you know, making sure yeah. that you, obviously you, you have the memories and you treat them the way that you want to treat them. But also yeah. at the same time, you are moving forward and life goes on. Yeah. And as things, you know, come full circle, maybe in the future, the situation you've just, uh, just described with the, the church, you're the, the parents that someone else yeah. who's new to the situation then sees and so yeah. on, you know. And exactly. I, I was just about to say that, actually. You see, Obviously, we've seen so many families that over those, uh, sorry, over those seven years or six years, sorry, where we've actually had people come into the church where we do it, where you've you've actually seen their journey and you've you've seen, you know, there are parents who come religiously every year. Um, even though, um, you know, it's not a religious service in any way, shape or form. It's it's open for everybody. And we get a lot of people there. You know, there was 170 people last year. Me personally, New Year's Eve is a big one for me because you leave in that year again. And I think my biggest worry right at the beginning on New Year's Eve was that the further on that you get, you might forget. Um, right. And I didn't want to forget. But actually, you don't, because I can still, I can, if I was to close my eyes now, I could put myself back in that hospital room when she was born. And I could, I could literally talk anybody through exactly what happened, because you, you don't forget, even though you're frightened that you will do. Um, but I think for me, it's the celebrations that everybody's obviously having at New Year, moving into a new year. And it's a fresh start for a lot of people, you know, resolutions, things like that. Yeah, okay, it's great to have those, you know, things to do and but actually from a baby loss perspective it's it's actually yeah. it's difficult it is it is very very difficult another thing is we have supported some parents who have lost a baby on new year's day um or have lost a baby on boxing day or yeah. christmas day you know things like this and these are days that are always going to be there for the rest of your life which are always celebrated by the public and actually, that is the worst day of your life. I think you you learn to, um, I'm not going to say accept it, but you learn that it becomes part of your everyday life. So actually, it gets, it, I suppose, to some extent, it's almost like cognitive behaviour therapy. The more you're exposed to something, you know, the the less impact it has on you, even though you still feel those feelings, you, you're able to control those feelings a little bit more. On top of what you said there, I think you, you also know that um, these anniversaries are never going to go away anyway. So you you kind of, as, as best as you can, you accept it. But 
I think it's it's a case of accepting it with the understanding that you want to celebrate it as well. I think before before we finish tonight, are there are there any other dates that maybe are particularly applicable to to either of you three? For me, um, I think possibly it, it, it might be. I don't know what the other lads think, but sometimes the, the, the birthdays of the other children are, yeah. can be difficult as well. Father's Day is mine. I mean, now that now the children can write, they will write Lily's name in there. So they'll say, you know, to Daddy, blah blah blah, and then they'll put all all the names in there. And I think that 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 helps because obviously they remember her. They obviously recognise that you know it's important that her name is is actually put in there. So Father's Day is quite a bit uh, quite a big one for me. I mean, I went through a phase where every year I wanted to go to the cemetery on Father's Day, but you know, this year weren't able to go to the cemetery on Father's Day. So you you effectively break the mold to some extent. But mm. um that's a tough that is a tough day for me. But again, it's um, you know, I am lucky that I've got my other children there. You know, it is good in that respect. And I've spoken to a lot of people obviously who haven't yet gone on to have other children or have chosen not to go on to have other children. And 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 they say as well, Father's Day is a difficult one. I think my own birthday as well. You know, when it's your own birthday, you sort of, should I be celebrating? Um, there's a part of me that's missing. And again, going back to the card, you receive a card with your daughter's names in there. And, um, and, you, and yeah, I think the important thing to take out of it all is you can't keep punishing yourself for things. You know, you've got to, you've got to try and move on and rebuild. But just not forget, just embrace them and just they're part of you. And they'll always be part of us as we move forward, really. Yeah. I think um, talking about cards and it's something that I just a bit of a advice, I suppose, in the fact that if you're sending cards to people who, who who have lost babies, me and Crystal love seeing Callie's name written in a card. And I think people won't do it intentionally. We believe we know they don't do it intentionally. I think it's important for people to understand that it's it's so amazing to see her name written down in a card. Yeah. One one question I wanted to ask you because um this is somebody has actually asked this question and has just actually messaged in um, saying that obviously you, you could have 30 people at the funeral, but yes. then when it comes down to, let's say the, the hugging people, because let's be honest, that's tends to happen a lot at funerals where yes. yeah. you hug your family members, your friends and, and yes. things like that. I mean, I don't know if you were able to do that at the time because no, I think naturally we were still um, being told not to do it, weren't we? So yeah, absolutely. It was um, it was quite. Um, I wouldn't say austere. That's not the right word, but I'd say it was very uh, measured. In as much that we had to wear masks when we went into the. It was at Robin Hood Cemetery, wearing masks, um, yeah. socially distanced, um, all the usual stuff. And yeah, it was it was really hard because it's human nature with with funerals and everything. Um, weddings funerals whatever we were we, we kind of it's a it's, yeah it wasn't that kind of feel unfortunately how did you find that scott <laughs> it was one of the things that annoyed me actually i've got to be truthful honest. I, I i i was concerned because getting a venue was proving to be a nightmare the funeral thing i find it quite important i feel that that's quite an important thing it signifies something and i think a lot of people feel robbed of that this year uh last year mm. sorry i'm probably going forward I feel that, that is something that people will um, kind of resonate with the fact that it, if it's grandpets, it's nice to do a send off, nice to do a little bit of a talk and say say a, a bit and have a drink and kind of 
do something of that kind of nature. But it, no, it was very much distanced oh. and really hard, very hard. The other thing I wanted to ask you is, you said, was it 30, you said you were allowed 30 people there? Yeah, 30. Around well. it, yeah, 30, yeah. Now, obviously, this depends a lot on size of families and, and, and closeness yeah. and proximity, etc. I mean, it's probably the last thing you want to deal with on top of the, the grief that you're going through is then deciding who can and can't come yeah, and how you tell them about it. And those people <laughs> hopefully were understanding. Yeah, it's it's a bit like, I suppose, it's the, it's the flip reverse. It's a bit like a wedding where you kind of, it goes the other way. You kind of don't want to upset people when you want to include as much as many people as possible and it, it does feel a bit like that I've got to be honest and say you want as much support as possible but I don't think you can but with yeah it is hard really hard in you know it's hard to please yeah. in under yeah. no, normal circumstances so yeah, what, what are normal circumstances when you, you lose a child is it's uh yeah. and one thing obviously I only met Scott for the first time what 10 minutes before before we came yeah. on and what strikes me is like with anything a lot a lot of how people process and deal with emotions in their life a lot of it comes down to their own life philosophy and attitude and you strike me as a very cup half full person because this was this was very, uh, you know I know it's different between when the camera's on and when the camera's off yeah but for something that happened only you know for end of well it's not even six months ago is it so no it's not it's it, it, it I think you, you're in a bubble for the first couple of weeks mm. then uh, it's going back to that it's smallish things ever I remember speaking to Ryan about this and it's going back to the house it's a it's a strange feeling going back to the it's 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 really really strange going back to your own house after the event is strange you're overwhelmed by a lot of everybody a lot of messages um it's just all very overwhelming really i suppose and you try and process it and yeah i think as blokes this is another thing it's you kind of you try and tough it out i feel that's what you try and do try to put a brave you know brave face on it and say all the usual things that things will you know things will get ease off and it's 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 tough. Yeah, it is very. Well, that's that's something tough. that Ryan, you uh, there's two things there that uh, Scott said, which just uh, made me think back to. I think it was our first episode, which reminds me of something Ryan said on the first one. How you felt because you felt as the guy you were supposed to be a certain way, looking at stereotypes, and also I can't remember if it was you, Matt, or uh, one of the other guests that we had on talking about feeling in that bubble for the first few weeks. So there is a common theme, you know. Obviously, this one's in lockdown as well, so I'm guessing it's a more intensified version of that if you can intensify that emotion but you understand the point i'm making yeah no absolutely i think and also something that i couldn't do which i don't know if you guys did i mean i'm not saying that drink is a man but it does help to be able to go out with guys and have a drink and yeah. kind of off some steam and that was something that it just wasn't out there That's to true. do it was unfortunately really fortunate with the time timing of it all but it does help things like that being able to get out with a few guys and mates and just you know off some steam. Like I, I, I agree with, obviously with what with what Dan said there. Where when we first met Scott and Emma at the first support group that they came to, about four weeks post losing Oscar, you used the analogy there, Dan, of of a glass half full, and that's exactly the sort of feeling that I got both from Scott and from his wife Emma that they were that type of people. Now, obviously, not everybody is like that because everybody grieves in their own way and, you know, takes news differently to everybody else. But I think the one thing Scott said there about being able to go out, have a beer with your mates, have a, you know, whether yeah. you play sport or something or something like yeah, that. Absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. football, I, I don't know, whatever it may be. No, it's true. For me personally, during lockdown, <clears throat> I'm struggling more in this lockdown 
not so much because of the grief of losing Lily as such, but there are things that have come back during this lockdown that have made me feel pretty down at times. And whether that's because of the situations you're in and stuff like that, I don't know. But I I felt quite down during this. But during the previous lockdowns where I was playing in the over 35s team and, you know, I was having a beer out in the street, socially distanced with the neighbour or something like that, is that helped massively. But I think this lockdown specifically, because you have the shorter days, the longer nights, yeah. Old yeah, outside, yeah. you've had all the per well, big pertinent times of the year, the new year, the Christmas. The, you know, for myself and Amy, it was our wedding anniversary as well. It was also my birthday and stuff. It's like everything's almost come together and it's been sitting and boiling and it's gone <laughs> boom. Do you know what I mean? And you pack it all into December, don't you, Ryan? Oh, mate, I don't mess around, <laughs> me. <laughs> I think just that that support network again go back to to scott with the whole um the the lack of being able to have whoever you want there to to give oh and obviously it's not company it's not who, you know, who has the most people but it depends on the size of your family and that support that that thing that we don't have at the minute which is physical touch you know which can just mean the world if it's a family member in particular um were you able to zoom or not you know stream or what were the yeah, way that people could see what was going on there was actually, yeah. They they did a stream from um, from Robin Hood, and there was people um, as far down as London, um, up in Scotland, yeah. who watched it, okay. which is brilliant, really. You know, yeah. that beauty of technology. I think that's it's nice mm. that everybody got to kind of feel part of it and got to see it. Actually, that that mm. is great. I think that's a good advantage with that's good th- with th- with this. What's happened? I suppose that is nice. It, you know, if you have relatives mm. abroad and stuff, it's good. I've got to admit, I think there is one thing that the COVID thing is a big, big, big issue with it. It makes things tougher. Mm. That's for sure. Mm. It definitely does. We were kind of, we looked at it from a more positive viewpoint. Mm. Some people got that opportunity, but at the same time, a bit gutted, I've got to be honest with you, that we couldn't. Of course, yeah. More people could have come, but yeah, it's uh, just just uh, just a spate in time, isn't it? Unfortunately. I completely understand where, where you're coming from, Scott, and this is, I suppose slightly off topic to an extent as well is that even even though it is to do with baby loss, the the you know the ten 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 that we'd got arranged to do in twenty twenty for Lily's tenth birthday, it was just the 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 meeting up with the lads and knowing you'd got the camaraderie within that group <clears throat> that we'd all met up prior to the the original lockdown and we'd done our first <sighs> event back in February last year. Um, and then it just gets like taken away from you, and that is that was our sort of that was a support network. Sorry for mm-hmm. that period of time. And you know, I mean, as a charity, we've been putting bids in for money and stuff to be able to help us support dads, granddads, and and activities and stuff. And when I think to the support things that we've done for dads, granddads, and stuff, and that we can't now do that. It's slightly different, I suppose, with women. And I mean this in the nicest possible way because Amy still does her one-to-one, but she takes, she'll go out for a walk. And women tend to do that more, I think, than men. I mean, I know I could probably phone anyone up and say, come on, let's go for a walk or something. But I don't think it's the same as 
women, if that makes yep. sense. You know, I absolutely agree with that. That's a bit like when you go to the pub and you order a soft drink, isn't it? It's something <laughs> you know you're going to get hammered for it. So it, you just, it's that very much a bloke thing, isn't it? You'd never, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's true. You know, it's like that reminds me when I played for the football team when I was a bit younger and, you know, you'd have a, a lads night out once on a Saturday, you'd go for a curry and there'd always be one out of the group who'd order scampi. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't play anymore. No. <laughs> yeah. I said distractions for me, you know, when Ryan asked me what sort of topic we want to talk about, I, I didn't really know of any other topic but distractions because it kind of summed up the past three months for me life has been the most busiest it's ever been and it was because knowing that I was going to have twins sort of made me kick into action in terms of thinking right I need to get a bigger house I need to you know it took the uh, the really clever decision of changing jobs in the middle of lockdown thinking about changing cars a lot but why not get it all done at once but of course obviously I, with you know, I, the last thing I expected was what we went through um but I couldn't I couldn't stop any of it, you know, stop working in my new job. And, I'll, you know, I couldn't pull out of the house purchase because, you know, uh, although it, it's a bit empty now, it's going to hopefully yeah. be filled in the future. So, I, you know, I, I took it on. And um, when, when the girls passed in the middle of October, it, I was only really off work for just under two weeks. And uh, I went straight back into it, you know, because I knew it would be a distraction. I do love my job. Uh, it involves talking to people. And I thought that would be really good. And then um, it just kind of snowballed. I got, I got really busy with work. Uh, the, I got the keys to the house. It, you know, the, the house was an absolute tip. And it just got so busy that I yeah. almost kind of forgot and repressed all the all the feelings and all the situations, really. And I said to Ryan, I, I, was, I was almost pretty um, uh, arrogant when I was talking to Amy when you know she was thinking, "Hey, how are you?" I, was like, I think I'm. I think I'm over it. It's pretty easy, you know. I think I'm. I think I'm okay. L- little did I know that I was. You know, it was. It was far from it. And um, I remember you know, like it was yesterday, Christmas Eve, when obviously work stopped and trying to find things to do with the house. So I was like saying to Jess, do you need to paint anything? Do you need me to do something in the garden? Do you need to order some chairs or pay you anything? And she was like, no, no, we're good. So I thought, okay. So then, you know, no, no thought of thoughtful work, no thought for the house. You know, and my mind started clearing up and there was no more distractions. You know, the next thing that was on my mind was, because at that point in December, we were very close to um, burying the girls, you know. Um, and then that was sort of the next thing that was in my mind. And, uh, you know, I think as soon as that, you know, everything else cleared and that was the the next topic in my mind, you know, it I felt just this emotional punch in the face on that Christmas evening, you know, and all the emotions that I probably didn't deal with in three, in two months. Yeah. You know, I was very, uh, very different to how I was, you know, the, the few days before. We lost Callie on the, on the 1st of June. I was manager of um, Willenall Town. I carried on as manager. And, and um, football has always been a, a massive part of my life, always has been. And um, I just felt like that will help get me through. We, we lost on the 1st of June. And I like I said, pre-season started at the end of June. And we had a memorial service on the 29th of June and then I started pre-season the day after I was stood in front of a group of lads trying to sort of motivate them yeah. after doing what we'd done for the last for the last month like I said I tried to carry on sometimes um, again it's interesting that your parents are two of the people that know you better than yourself and my old man would follow me around everywhere would watch the games so we had a game basically two weeks before this incident happened my old man had sat me down in the garden and said look I think you need to stop. 
And I said, no, look, listen, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll carry on. And didn't listen to him, of course, because why do you listen to your dad for? You know what I mean? You don't know what he's talking about. We had a game and one of our lads got sent off. Their bench went absolutely mental. It was right in front of their bench and they they helped to get him sent off. Now, unfortunately, I have two sides to my character. I mean, I'm at football. I'm I'm completely different. I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I turn into some person I don't really know, to be honest with you. And I, uh, I've, I've broken dressing room doors, I've punched walls, I've, I've, you know, so I think, I think this was the point. I think the reason that I ended up finishing about two weeks later was because when this lad got sent off and their bench were, were kicking off down the touchline, I just stood there with my arms folded. Now, normally I'd have been politely asked, of course, politely asking the linesman why he felt that decision, the decision he'd made. <laughs> Um, I'd also been politely asking the other bench why they managed to get my player sent off when they didn't need to. I'd have pretty much yeah. been down the touchline sort of thing, but I just I just stood there. And, and my old man basically said to me after the game, he said, for me, that's it for you because that's not you. That's not you, the, the fact that you just stand there and, and don't react and, and don't, you know. And I think deep down, I kind of knew that, but I, I, I carried on because it was all I knew in a sense. I think distractions are distractions are really important, but you need a balance of both. I agree with you with regards to the football, and I think that's been really good for me. When the first lockdown came, we were actually just undertaking some building work on the house. Oh wow! There was a distraction there, which was which was okay because they were able to carry on. But also, I just literally went around the whole house, stripping all the old wallpapers and redecorating the house. And now it's all done. I've got yeah. nothing else left to do. That's true. So I'm, I'm struggling a little bit in terms of trying to find things to do because it's just, it, well, we all know it's unprecedented and, and what have you, but the, the, the obviously the distractions, the good distractions, the bad distractions, whatever we do, you know, we have to be very careful about which ones we we follow. So yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. alcohol, you know, things like that. And But the... Um, no, obviously the good distractions, the bad distractions and, and actually giving people the advice about what to do, but then not following your own advice as well. Anybody, you know, men, women, doesn't really matter who it is that we need to be conscious, obviously, of which distractions it is that we're following yeah. on a regular basis. Question that I've always been fearful of, and thankfully it's never happened and I don't think it ever will happen because of the way that the children have grown up and, and we've spoken about Lily is, if Lily had have lived, would you have had me? That's the sort wow, of question. I had not thought of that as a question. <laughs> certainly hmm. when, when they were a lot younger, used to haunt me because I used to think to myself, what would I say if they asked me that question? But then actually, when you, I suppose when you think about it is, I would never use the term with them, everything happens for a reason, so therefore you're hit, blah, blah, blah. I think it's more of a, you know, it's it's an it's a. I don't think it's a question that you can answer because I, I, you took the words out of my mouth. You can't answer it. You can't no. answer it. You know? No, because there's no saying that we wouldn't have gone on to have another mm. two, three, however many children. It, it, I don't think there is an answer. Mm. Um, but looking through a child's mind, they may very well want an answer for that sort of question. My 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 go-to answer will be uh yeah, go and ask your mum. <laughs> I think my my answer would be that it, it that it's not a that it's it, there is no answer to that question because yeah, yeah. of course we would have gone on to have other children um, and that just because we lost Lily doesn't mean that um, we wouldn't have gone on to have other children and 
it just so happens that you know you came after Lily or came what second after Lily, whatever that may be. But yeah, it's that is you can see how difficult it is because I'm, yeah, I'm starting to answer yeah. that sort of question. It's it's a very very difficult question to answer, but I wouldn't change my children for the world. But it, it, it is a question that's always sort of been ingrained in the back of my mind that maybe one day I'll be asked. But yeah. you know, at, at the end of the day, the kids are here and they're here exactly. for a reason. So. You know, and, and that's how it is, really. And I think over all the, 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 the podcasts and the topics that we've talked about so far, I'm not sure if you agree with this, Ryan and Matt, but I think that it's almost, for me, it seems like the hardest question that anyone who's come on so far has, has had to answer, especially, you know, the one that you put to us, Ryan, you know, would you have had me if it wasn't for what happened? Which I yeah. really hadn't thought of. No, and... and... And actually, and this is nothing against you, Dan, is that I think people who have lost a baby who have then gone on to have other children, I reckon every single one of them has probably had that daunting question in their mind about what's going to happen. And you said, obviously, you yeah, hadn't of thought of that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that shows the difference between maybe a bereaved parent and a, and a, and a parent. 100%. Who, you know, and, you know, that takes us back to, obviously, the original uh, very first podcast which was the elephant in the room you're here to learn and as well it is a very very difficult question because yeah. again kids are kids are resilient you know we've got pictures of lily around the house and we talk about her openly and i suppose it's different in in our situation as well because we've got the charity and the you know there's not a day that goes by where yeah. where the, the the word lily for instance is not mentioned in the house or something or a picture and will she will openly you know be quite proud and like big smile on her face when when she sees things about the yeah. lily may foundation and things like that as well but yeah i think just cementing really what everyone else has said is that i think that the main purpose about this is there are dads out there and you know i'm not going to mention names but who have come to us to ask for support about how they deal with questions from from their other children yeah. and you know the, the sort of main answer really is just be open and as honest as you can be based on obviously the age of the child and use age appropriate words and yeah. it, you know, it might even that's be the challenge isn't it you yeah. know it's such a serious question how do you how do you articulate that i mean we put we put sibling packs into hospitals as well um and a lot of the, the things that are in sibling packs for uh, the charity, you know, there's like emotion journals, there's various other little bits of worry dolls so that kids can tell their worries and their anxieties to the um, to the worry doll and put it under their pillow and it takes the worry away, things like that. But also there's a book that we've put in and I'm going to give her a bit of a pitch here. And it's, okay. called, and it's called Where Are You, Liddy? And it's similar to obviously Matt said there's a book as well. Uh, the author is Emma Poor, um, and that again is a—it's a picture book for children about sibling loss and bereavement, basically. Okay, so it's something to share with the. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a story. So yeah, yeah. is a little girl that was. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, and I, I think that you know that that sort of using age-related. Yeah, yeah. and words, and you know, being an ex-teacher, used to use pupil talk and pupil speech and things like that, and I think. You know, obviously, you'd never use massive, big, deep words with yeah. young children, but it is being sort of age appropriate with how you 
you know, speak to them and, and tell them. I think um, I think another interesting area of the sibling side of things is that me and me and Crystal um, talked when Etta came along about a middle name. Etta's got Callie as her middle name. At the time, though, we talked at the start and, and we were like, "Are we gonna are we gonna double barrel? So it'd be Etta Callie, or we're we just gonna keep oh, Callie okay. as that middle yeah, name?" Yeah. <clears throat> and we decided. What made you decide on which one? What was the reason? Well, we decided pretty quickly to put it as a middle name because we wanted Etta to, to be her own person yeah. as well. Okay, and I yeah. think that's, I think that's really important. The fact that um, as, as much as the losses that we've all been through um, and every parent goes through are important to understand and to keep hold of in, in some way, shape or form. I've been struggling a lot with anxiety and coping with grief. And to an extent, a dedicated baby loss counsellor has been helping with that. But at the same time, I was looking for, you know, something more for dads where it was more specific to that. And it was getting to the point, like I work in marketing and I was sitting there, said to, to Tasha, I was like, I'm just going to do my own thing. Like, I, you know, even if it helps up one person, at least I could, at least I could do that for someone. So I was kind of looking around about what other dads podcasts are out there and I couldn't find any and then stumbled across yours it's like my when I was kind of just google searching I think and mm. I, I found you guys on Spotify as I was saying before we went live like I, I didn't even know you guys did it on, on Facebook or anything like that um but the first one I heard was um you're talking about like the elephant in the room yeah. and it was just I just remember there'd been such like a it was like a I don't know like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders or like it was it was like a fresh air yeah. Almost that I was hearing you guys all talk about baby loss without a stigma attached to it from a dad's perspective. And I think that's just what I really needed. And I think I sent Roy an email just saying, Yeah, it's just really helped me. They just listened to that was it was so helpful and listened to the the great ones you've done after. Um so yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Um well, we really appreciate you you listening and not only that, just taking the time to to get in touch. Would you like to uh, introduce exactly what it is we are going to be talking about tonight on the podcast because this is all very important to you and I think something that you've been dealing with and still are dealing with. What I wanted to talk about was the anxiety just as on the whole and I think how that maybe could be triggered for some people I guess by baby loss they've never had it before and that's then fired off a load of stuff afterwards or like me it's something I've struggled with for a number of years and I think just having an event you know as, as traumatic as a baby loss kind of fires you off into a different direction with that um so um yeah as you said I think everyone goes through these things differently like I'll go through grief and anxiety differently to my wife and you know we live together and it's and Arthur's our our boy and but we'll still have different opinions on how things go Um, so yeah I definitely definitely agree with that the the immediate thing that sort of sprung to my mind then because I didn't know Mikey's story um as he's just told it quite ironic to some extent that this evening's podcast is called the anxiety monster because when i was listening to mikey then my anxiety shot through the roof because from the the thought that mikey was sat in the car with his dog and his wife was in there by herself and had to be told by herself because of this Mm. situation that we're in i cannot place myself mentally in that position because I know what it was like to be there when you're told when your wife is there, but to actually be told and not be um, there with your wife at the time must be, I, I, I 
I can understand now why Mikey has got in touch and talked about that anxiety type, sorry, those anxious feelings, because I would imagine there are probably questions that go through Mikey's head that would go through any male's head about how how much different would this have been, albeit that the, the end result is the same, but how much different would this have been if I were there with my wife or I'd, I'd it's absolutely blown me away that has because I, obviously, I, like I said, I didn't know the story. Mikey, I know obviously we're, we're here to talk about the anxiety monster and in general how being anxious about getting upset in front of other people, bearing in mind you'd never seen our faces in your life, you know, yeah. half an hour ago, how to talk uh, about your loss to other people. Yeah, it's, it's definitely still a, a big problem. I think we, Tasha and I both deal with it in different ways but I think we it's one thing for me when you know I'm speaking with Tasha about Arthur or it's our baby loss counsellor at Chums or it's you know even you guys and that's um it's it seems like a different thing to me than talking with you know family or even my close friends like I'm I'm very lucky enough you know to have really close friends who would understand and Mm. they they would give me all the support that I'd want and if I wanted to yeah. talk to them and open up then then I would but I remember it was it was in that period of time when you could still sit in a pub and book a table and have your hand sanitizer and all that and um all my guys came down to um came down to meet me and we just yeah. went and had a pint or two which was really nice but I just didn't feel like I could open up to them yeah about things did and they sense did always, they sense that or did you, did you feel they were holding back maybe didn't know what to say because I think yeah, for anyone I think that's, yeah, if you just I agree. push it on them it, it's hard to know what to say yeah. in response but yeah. I think it's also like what what's a what ground is okay to tread on sometimes exactly, and yeah. you know what what to not say or don't want to make it worse type thing mm. so in the end we just ended up the only chat we really talked about it was was how's Tasha doing and yeah. I was like okay well I can I can talk about that that's in yeah. my kind of wheelhouse of easy things I can <laughs> yeah. kind of rattle off some things you yeah. know but um, when it comes to me I think it's I, I remember saying to someone the other day it, it might have even been Tasha I said I think I've probably been asked maybe in a certain period of time it was like the last three months or so I've only been asked maybe a couple times if I was all right and I think right. both of those times were by a baby loss counselor that I was speaking to so it's it's kind of a, a two-way thing like I get mm. it that I had no idea about baby loss before mm. I lost a baby I didn't even realize it could be a, a thing because I guess you don't you don't fathom that that could happen mm. to someone and let alone yourself and so I think I understand that people might not know what to say or how to deal with yeah. that grief and be there for you in the best way um, but I'm lucky enough that I've got some friends who have um, been giving me that space to just ask questions uh, rather than saying oh it'll, you know the, the cliche stuff that you guys have talked about before you know like oh it'll be fine or oh you'll have another child in the future you know that mm. kind of stuff that doesn't help you during that grief period so you've literally just mirrored exactly the same experience as Mm. what I felt like I had and I I almost put mine into sort of three three stages where the the immediate aftermath where I literally cried in front of anyone it it was mates um family Amy um whoever it may be and then it got to the point where I started to feel a bit embarrassed or I suppose you could say anxious as well on who you were showing your emotion in front of. And is, that, then, is, that, is that a guy thing, do you I think? think or? Yeah, I think it probably is, yeah. I think it probably is. A whole male ego thing, isn't it? A whole male ego thing, yeah. Um, 
because I, I, in fact, I remember a, a, an instance, and it was, I think it was the day before Lily's funeral, where I actually broke down in, in Amy's mum and dad's kitchen in front of Amy, saying I'd never walk her down the aisle. But then I remember Amy's mum and dad walking into the kitchen, and I like immediately tried to turn round and not show them that I was, or I walked out the kitchen because I didn't want them to see that I was upset. Whereas two or three days or a week before that, God, I was bawling my eyes out, you know, every, every opportunity I could have. I think I read somewhere that it's, it's I can't remember where I read this. It's, you get to, just with any emotional grief, not maybe not this particular thing, but in general, you get to a point where you feel subconsciously guilty for pushing your emotions onto other people. It doesn't matter that it's, it's fine to do so and you're hurting and your, your, your brain's going through trauma. And I think it's just a, it's like a, a brain defense mechanism, isn't it? Sometimes to, to shut that. down. Yeah. I've got that really, really bad. Like I'm the kind of person who will probably go out of their way to stop a situation being awkward. But I think it's yeah. a huge part of that for me is that I don't want, I know that they're there for me, but I don't want to put them through that trauma as well. Like I almost want to protect people from it. So I find it quite hard to open up in that sense to maybe the people you, you care about I don't know because you don't want it to be as hard hitting for them mm. maybe as it was for you I think there's definitely a huge part of that for me that, that resonates Dan we'll be back with series two starting from the end of March in the meantime if you would like to reach out to Ryan or to Amy and to get in touch or maybe even come on the Still Parents podcast then please do get in touch through the Lily May Foundation website or the social media channels <laughs>